welcome back to another episode of Have a Seat, Conversations with Women in the Workplace podcast. I am your host, Deborah Coleman. And today is another um, exciting minicast. Uh, <laughs> um, no, today is another minicast, everybody. And um, as I stated before in previous minicast shows, whenever I happen to stumble across an article that I think is um, really interesting and that I want to share with y'all, I create these quick minicasts to talk about it. Um, and because I think that the topic is either timely or um, maybe something that I'm personally struggling with. So I feel, hey, that's relevant. And um, I want to blast it out and share it with you all. So this is what uh, this show is about. It's another mini cast. And this show has to do with receiving feedback in regards to um, criticism or evaluations, what we do with that feedback, how we process it. Um, So before we get too much into it, let me tell you, the title of the article is called Find the Coaching and Criticism, and it was an article that I found in the Harvard Business Review written by Sheila Heen and Douglas Stone. And as always, I will have a link to the article in the show notes so that you can check it out and read it for yourself and form your own takeaways. Um, But so um, anyway, let's just get into it. The article again, had to do with finding the coaching in criticism as it states. So we all know the basic rule that everyone benefits when our leaders are better communicators. I think we can all pretty much agree across the board. And I'm sure some of you are shaking your head. Yeah, agree. We can agree on that. So, but what I found fascinating about this particular article was the direction the authors went. They went just a tad further by researching that, or by providing research, that improving the skills of the feedback giver, so the person who is providing the feedback, won't accomplish much if the receiver isn't able to absorb what is said. You know, we all have, we all see the awesome articles about how to be a better provider of feedback, how to be a better provider of, you know, how to provide evaluations that mean something to your staff, to your direct reports. But I thought this was interesting because this article took it from the perspective of the receiver. How do we receive that feedback and those evaluations and those critiques? And how do we process them in a way that is beneficial to us and that in a way that keeps the needle moving? So um, it's, it's us, it's the receiver who controls whether feedback is let in or kept out. Um, we have to make sense of what we're hearing And we decide whether or not to make those requested changes or suggested changes, right? So this article also states that everyone from C-suite leaders to entry-level employees, everyone across the board struggle with receiving feedback. A simple comment, not not meant to hurt or frustrate anybody, can sometimes bring about feelings in the receiver of rejection, tension, and self-doubt. The authors also go on authors go on to state that learning to receive feedback in a constructive way involves learning to manage our emotions brought about by that feedback which key like if I could put little like 
animation stars around that sentence. I think that's really the core. And honestly, when I read that sentence, that's what like made me take a note, like future mini cast. So again, the authors state that learning to receive feedback in a constructive way involves learning how to manage our emotions brought about by said feedback. So if you're with me so far, let's keep, let's explore just a little bit further. So what makes receiving feedback so hard? Um, the article speaks to the tension between two core human needs, the need to learn and grow and the need to be accepted just the way we are. Those are the two core human needs. And an innocent comment like, okay, so don't take this personally does nothing to soften that blow either. Um, There are, in fact, three ways in which feedback can trigger our emotions. They are truth, relationship, and identity. Three ways in which feedback can trigger our emotions. Truth, relationship, and identity. And I will go through those three uh, relatively quickly, but those are the three, right? Okay, so we'll start with truth. Truth triggers are set off by the content of the feedback when advice or suggestions seem unhelpful or not true. You immediately feel wronged or that the opinion that's being given is unjust. If you feel the feedback is unhelpful or not true, then your immediate knee jerk is going to be, I feel wronged. And your opinion is unjust. Like your opinion doesn't matter. Why you, what you're saying is not truth. So that's how truth, that's a truth trigger. The relationship trigger are framed around our perception of the giver, of the feedback, their credibility, their knowledge on the subject being discussed, um, or can be based around how we feel about our previous interactions with this person, the relationships that we have formed that have been built up, um, which can tend to make us a, a relationship trigger can look like, after all I've done for you, how dare you say or think this way about my work, my project, what I've done so far, whatever it is that they're giving you feedback on, that's, an, that's a relationship trigger. Like, after all we've been through together, how can you say this about me? Or... If we perceive them as not being a very trustworthy individual, then we're going to receive that relationship trigger is going to come back and that's going to be our trigger. Like, well, you're not very trustworthy, so why am I going to even accept what you're saying with a grain of salt? And then lastly, the identity trigger. The identity trigger has to do with our relationship with ourselves. It doesn't matter whether the feedback is spot on or way off base. In our mind, it will be devastating causing us to struggle with feeling inadequate and off balance. So if we don't have a strong sense of identity within our, within ourself, any type of feedback we get is going to, is going to send us off into a tailspin. It's going to be devastating and it's going to cause us to struggle with feelings of inadequacy. So I thought though, I thought again, look, examining feedback and, and factoring in triggers was very interesting. And you may have, you may identify with maybe one of those triggers or maybe all three, but I think just remembering that triggers play into how we receive feedback, it can be very important. Um, and the solution isn't to pretend you don't have them at all. Like ignoring any sort of trigger, I think it 
might be unhealthy in terms of receiving feedback. The solution is to recognize that one or all of those triggers are happening and learn how to receive benefit from the feedback. Once you identify those triggers, then let's work on having to receive this feedback in a beneficial way. And then once we do that, learning how those triggers are set off. So uh, let me keep going. I'm sure I'm kind of losing you, but if we recognize the triggers, then when we receive the feedback, we can know, okay, this is setting off my relationship trigger. I'm thinking that you're untrustworthy, so I'm not hearing what you have to say. But by acknowledging that that is a trigger that is happening, then maybe when you receive that feedback, you can start to kind of okay, since that trigger's connecting right now, I need to really step back and take what's happening and listen to the feedback more constructively. All right, so six steps to becoming a better receiver. Um, I will try to go through these quickly because there are six, um, and minicasts are supposed to be on the short side. So, um, But again, I think these six steps to becoming a better receiver are also key. So you partner these with your triggers, and I think that will help us become more successful in receiving and, and processing feedback. So let's outline these six steps. Um, first one, Know our tendencies. Know or to begin to monitor how you respond to feedback. Do you, do you immediately go into defense mode and quickly dismiss feedback as just wrong with no room for discussion? Or do you smile on the outside while on the inside you're reaching your boiling point? Like you're smiling on the inside, on the outside, but on the inside you're like, you screw you. You don't know what you're talking about, you know? Um, or maybe you get emotional. And you tear up immediately and you immediately play the victim like, no one likes me. I'm a loser. I never do anything right. Or maybe you're of the mindset to reject feedback in the moment. Like you say, no, you're, you're wrong. That, I don't know where you're getting that from. But then later you step back and consider it over time. Like over time you're like, well, you know what? This is kind of what they were talking about. So the first step is know your tendency. Know your, I took that to mean know your knee jerk. What's your knee jerk reaction? Are you a smile and seethe on the inside? Are you a tears well up immediately? Or are you somebody who like immediately dismisses it, but then over time you realize, you know what? Gosh, I can kind of see their point now. So identify your tendency. Number two, disentangle the who from the what. Put simply, separate your feelings about the giver of the feedback and focus more on the message. The danger comes when the two become intertwined and that's when the trigger of resistance may come about. Like, so we want to separate the who from the what. Okay, so this person may be a little untrustworthy, but listen to the message. Is there something to be gained by the feedback they're giving you? Take the feedback, separate it from the person giving it to you disentangle the who from the what. Number three, sort toward coaching. Some feedback is evaluative. Your rating is a four. I'm giving you eight out of 10. That's evaluative. And some coaching, some, some, excuse me, some feedback is more geared towards coaching. Here's how you can improve. Here's what's going on. And here are steps I see where you can improve. That lends more towards a coaching aspect and less than less like an evaluative where you're an eight out of a 10, okay? So 
The authors indicate that we all need both, though. It helps to have both. Um, Evaluative tells you where you stand, what to expect, what is expected of you, whereas coaching allows you to learn and improve and helps you play at a higher level. So can you see the benefit of the both of them? So the last thing anyone wants is to feel judged. Um, And when those emotions surface, we try to we don't take the feedback constructively and that's where the resistance comes in. So try to hear feedback from a coaching angle. Try to accept accept feedback as potentially valuable advice rather than a negative criticism. But also understand that you do need both. If you get evaluative coaching, that can also be beneficial as well. Number four, unpack the feedback. So before you make the conclusion to either accept or reject the feedback, sit with it and think about it and try to gain a better understanding of its intention and meaning. Often it's not immediately clear whether feedback is valid and useful, which may lead to a discussion rather than a case of, well, that's that. So this is something that I kind of put a star on for myself. I think this is helpful for me because sometimes I do, I do just make those snap judgments right away like, well, that was valuable feedback or that was completely unhelpful. Thanks for wasting the last five minutes of my life. Like, no, like I find that when, <laughs> when I can sit with that feedback a little bit, when I, you know, walk back to my desk or I have a quiet moment and kind of sit with it, kind of evaluate it. And really sort of look at it like subjectively, like take emotions out of it, you know, and really kind of hear what the message was and sit with it. I do over time gain a better understanding of its intention and meaning. So I thought that was a pretty good one. Unpack it. Allow yourself time to unpack it. Number five, ask for just one thing. So this I thought was pretty helpful too. How about trying to ask for feedback first? instead of waiting for it to be offered. By initiating feedback, we may find that it lessens our emotional triggers. Um, I find that to be true too as well. If I go and ask for feedback first um, in small sizes, like don't go up and say, so how am I doing overall? Okay, you're just asking for trouble there. Like you're get ready for a tsunami of feedback. But if you ask for coaching or feedback on something specific, if you frame your request specifically on one thing or on a certain topic or, you know, on something specific, then that may also help lend itself to fighting off some of those negative triggers because you're focusing on one certain thing. For example, after a presentation, ask for feedback on that. Like, how did you feel about my presentation? Did you see any areas where I could improve? Or how do you think I, you know, that project wrapped up, how do you think I handled that? Or how do you think, you know, my role in that was? Do you think there's anything I could have done better? Like when we frame it to specific feedback and when we couple that with going after it first, before, like seeking it out before it's given to us, that may also help us receive any sort of criticism, evaluation, or feedback better because we went after it first and we went after it with a specific answer or a specific, you know, feedback in mind. We framed it rather. That's how I took that. Like you are telling, you are sort of framing the giver of the feedback in what you want to hear back in terms of like what you're ready to receive in that moment because it's specific to something rather than just a broad annual review where, you know, 
we all know we're opened up to things that happened six months ago, you know, and sometimes that's a little hard to receive. So I liked that. Just ask for one thing. Um, which also as a plus, the article states as a bonus by doing that, asking for one thing first, research does show that by seeking out this type of specific feedback, it could lead to a higher performance review because it's then believed that by seeking this kind of feedback or coaching, you are communicating that you are striving for excellence in your role and you are willing to be open to these types of discussions, which can only speak to your maturity, your strength, which who knows, could lead to better conversations down the line, better working relationships, possible promotions. So if that first part didn't didn't grab you, maybe the bonus part will, which it grabbed me. I'm like, hey, that's true. I like that. So number five, again, ask for that specific feedback, and but ask for it first from you. Go after it yourself. And lastly, we've come to the last point, engage in small experiments. So this one means to me, my takeaway for this one was, okay, so we've taken all the right steps to engage in feedback and receive it in a healthy manner and to really process how we, you know, how our takeaway, how we take it away, what we do with it. So now what? So the authors suggest designing small experiments to separate which feedback may be useful and which you may want to pass on. See how they fall. Watch for reactions. Gain insight into how you process all the feedback. Um, so one, so basically, you don't want to do all of this like a light switch, like I am going to immediately start asking for feedback. I am going to take it in small bites, like an experiment with yourself. Allow yourself to be, to receive feedback and then sit and process it. Pay attention to your knee jerk, pay attention to that. And then maybe next time or like a few months later or a few weeks later, maybe begin to initiate feedback. Take that experiment. See how you feel when you are the initiator. Um, Maybe by breaking it down in that way and and initiating small experiments, um, we may see more widespread changes down the line. And reformatting how we receive feedback won't seem as such a giant task and it won't seem like this mountain or the tsunami coming towards us. We'll be able to accept it and process it and help us move forward with a better mindset. Um, And then that way we're able to make those changes in our own skin, in our own way and because we're all feedback is always going to be a part of our work life in any way, shape, or form. It, it takes on many different shapes in annual evaluations, in like you know project evaluations. And so I think if we learn to manage the feedback, it'll help us along the way. But also learn how we receive that feedback, the certain triggers that are happening to us when we receive those that feedback. That also plays in the long game as well. So yeah, give feedback in a coaching way. That's, we all hear that, but receive feedback the way we receive it, the way we process it, pay attention to our inner emotions and how we, what we do with that information, I think is equally important. 
So, um, hey, it's important. Let's remember change takes time. We are constantly evolving and we need to learn to forgive ourselves and to keep it high level and not personal, I think is first and foremost. Um, and another key is to not let our emotions rule the day. Um, and to treat and receive feedback like the constructive tool that it should, that it is intended to be. Um, and again, forgive yourself, forgive your, your, you know, your supervisor or your leader. We're all human. We're going to make mistakes. But I think this article was a nice reminder, um, especially in this day and age that we're operating a lot of us in a different workspace. Some of us, again, are working from home or we're back in the office, but it looks completely different. And so a lot of the interactions we're doing with our colleagues and our, our leaders are not the same. They don't look the same. And so feedback definitely plays into our everyday work lives. And while a lot of our leaders could, are struggling themselves, the way they, pro- they present feedback or give you feedback may look different, sound different, feel different. Um, and so we shouldn't lay the burden all on their feet. It's also our responsibility and how we process and receive that feedback and learn from it um, by learning about ourselves as well. So that was my takeaway on this article. And again, I thought it was pretty timely. I thought, again, in this day and age, the way th- we're dealing with things differently, it might it might just a bit, I thought it was just a nice, helpful reminder that Hmm. you know, the way we're receiving feedback these days may look differently. So, hey, tap on the shoulder. Let's not jump to, you know, the tear game. Let's not jump to I suck, nobody likes me mentality. Let's just try to keep it high level. Let's try to keep the personal out of it and really understand, maybe take the words and what the feedback is and leave the per- and try to separate it from the personal while on top of trying to really process it and learn how we're receiving it. So I hope you all understood what I, the meaning I was trying to come across in this show. Um, I, again, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, as always, I will have links to the article in the show notes. So take a quick read for yourself and, and see what your takeaways are. Uh, again, it was dated some time ago, but when I came across it, I thought, wow, that could actually, you know, that kind of advice and that sort of um, information is evergreen. I mean, that never goes away. So um, check it out and share your thoughts. Let me know uh, if you'd like to come on the show and talk about it. If you are a leader who is responsible for giving feedback in any way, or if you are somebody who is refeeding, who is receiving feedback in this day and age and you want to talk about it and talk about how different it looks um, and our emotions behind it, I would be more than willing and welcome to continue the conversation. Come and have a seat with me and let's keep it going. All right, everybody, as always, I hope this you enjoyed and found some value out of this quick mini cast. And um, until next week, stay safe and be well, everyone. Take care. <laughs>